we've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency hosting bi-weekly educational webinars. You can check out more at keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. If you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, I highly recommend it. Just look for Lori Hybe and you'll find me and tons of awesome content and conversation there. Today's guest is David Bain. David launched his first web business in the year 2000 and his first podcast in 2006. Since then, he's worked agency side as a head of SEO, in-house as head of digital marketing, and for a training company as a digital marketing course producer. He's built his own podcast, Digital Marketing Radio, up to 20,000 downloads a month. And in 2019, he founded his own podcast production agency for B2B brands called Casting Cred. You can find David over at castingcred.com. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Laurie. It's great to be on with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. I love having people in my space on this show. Anything related to marketing is just so much fun to talk about. And podcasting, man, you were way ahead of the trend, weren't you? I was. It was only a bit of fun for me back then, really, back about, um, what, 2006 or so. And um, yeah, I published a few shows then and um, got quite a few listeners and didn't really think too much of it. I just thought of it as a bit of fun rather than actually a serious marketing channel, which I probably should have done. (laughs) Well, I think that the channel itself was ahead of its time. You know, once once it was easy to listen on your smartphones, then, you know, the, the channel was widely adopted, but um, yeah, wow. Very cool of you to do that. Let's talk about podcasting a little bit. What mistakes do you see big brands making with their podcasts in 2021? Oh, there are a lot of big mistakes. It's just uh, horrific. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, the quality that you actually hear. Um, there's just um, not a lot of thought that goes into podcasts by many B2B brands. I compare it back to how brands used to actually think of their websites back in about 2004, 2005, 2006, because back then, brands used to get their intern or a junior person within the business to design the website for their brand. And this is a multi-million dollar brand you're talking about here. They just didn't appreciate um, that digital presence can actually relate to how a brand is perceived in its entirety and actually switch people off from using that brand. Um, So as I said, back then, about 15 years ago or so, brands used to get these um, lowly paid people to design their websites for them and think nothing forest and the senior people didn't even look at their websites exactly the same thing is happening with podcasts nowadays in 2021 as you say you know this year we're recording this but probably even in in the upcoming years what brands are doing is they're getting these people who are interested in podcasts junior in the business uh, but probably don't know that much about producing professional quality audio probably don't know that much about brand identity what needs to be said what doesn't need to be said to produce the shows on their behalf and they're producing amateurish sounding shows and these reflect what the audience 
how the audience perceive these brands. It's just not a good idea. Oh, I, I agree with that. And it's, you know, sound is just as much of a brand as a color or a font. And that, that audio quality yeah. is so important. And podcast it's, consumption has increased significantly over the years too. So it is a vital to any marketing or big it, brand. It's crazy. And the last four years, the number of podcasts active or podcasts have actually gone up from about 500,000 to about 2 million, as we're uh -huh. talking now in, in March, 2021. Um, incredible numbers. I remember... Um, Steve Jobs back in probably probably about 2007 talking about amateur hour and he how he didn't think it was good for just everyone to be producing content and I kind of understand what he was saying um I also think he was wrong uh, in that um he didn't maybe think about the possibility of so many amateurs having professional equipment in their homes being able to produce professional quality recordings and upload them and have them in comparable to many other big brands contents out there. So I think it's possible for amateurs nowadays to produce shows that are almost as good quality as professionally produced shows. Oh yeah, I would agree with, I mean, there's the technology and the equipment from just your, like you said, the phones itself. It can, yeah. if you if you do it, you put a little time into tweaking it, 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 it can be very well produced. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, if you have a basic, decent microphone, I, I, uh, I'm I, not a big fan of podcasts being recorded on a phone, um, mm -hmm. but obviously it makes it so easy for listeners to subscribe to. I mean, kind of back in the day when I got started, um, you used to have um, iTunes and you used to have to plug in your iPod into your computer to manually download podcasts and sync them to your <laughs> yeah, computer. I remember and it was that. just yeah, it's such a palaver to go through. But um, nowadays, as you say, you know, because of the smartphone being introduced maybe about what, six, seven, eight years ago or so, it became so much easier for consumers to actually discover podcasts. Mm -hmm. But just in terms of recording, I mean, I highly recommend the Samsung Q2U microphone. I'm not actually using it at the moment, but it produces warm, wonderful sound. And um, it only costs about $100 or so. so. So for that kind of investment, you can really get a decent standard of audio. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's great. There's so many um, great tools out there that'll help with that. Let's um, let's talk about that a little bit. What is some of the equipment that you recommend for podcasting? Sure. Uh, I mean, to, to start off with, um, I think many big brands out there, and this is probably the biggest mistake to begin with, is they just go with the microphone that they've already got kicking around the office or in someone's home. And in general, if a business does webinars, then they've got a big condenser microphone sitting in front of them in the middle of a board table, mm -hmm. a boardroom table. And a condenser microphone is good in that it picks up the full frequency of a human voice. However, it's also um, it also picks up everything else that's going on ar around the room. It picks up um, air conditioner unit. It picks up a computer fan noise. It, it, it picks up someone shutting the door um, two rooms away from where you are. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not an ideal microphone to use for a podcast. Condenser microphones are wonderful if you're in a professional studio environment, if you really have decent soundproofed um, room that you're operating in. But otherwise, I highly recommend the use of a dynamic microphone. So a dynamic microphone um, is less sensitive and it means that it needs to be closer to your mouth. It needs to be roughly three or four inches away from your mouth 
45 degrees away from your mouth, you're speaking over it just to get the best quality from that microphone. But if you do that, it's not going to pick up all the rest of the noise from around the room. So then the question after that becomes, okay, what type of dynamic microphone that you use? Well, there's very few dynamic microphones available that have um, both what's called an XLR and a USB out. Um, so if you are looking for your dynamic microphone to easily connect to your computer, you're looking for a USB out from the dynamic microphone. So if, if that's the case, then you're looking for either a Samsung Q2U or an Audio-Technica ATR2100X. Um, so those are the two main microphones. There's a couple of small up and coming brands that are just in the process of launching similar microphones, but those are the two main microphones that I would highly recommend. In addition to that, you need a windscreen, so something to go on top of the microphone uh, to stop sudden busts of air going into the microphone just to make you your sound a little bit more pleasant for the, the user, and you want a boom arm, so something to hold the microphone right next to your face um, rather than actually you having to duck down and um, or, or have the microphone too far away from your mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um... Yeah, those are great uh, tips to share. I've got the audio tech for my uh, microphone that I use primarily actually when I do webinars, it's connected to my computer, but not for podcasting. We've got, okay. um, oh, actually we do have the audio tech in our podcast room. Now I take a closer look at it. We also, <laughs> um, I love our Rodecaster Pro that we, we got this probably about six months ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Rodecaster um, Pro is the USB version, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Roadcaster obviously do a number of um, microphones. So USB uh, version is really, really good as well. And um, that would probably be my kind of second level of choice, simply just because of cost. Uh, sure. Roadcaster yep. Pro is, is probably about two hundred odd dollars. I, I would, I would imagine. Um, so you're just paying a little bit more for that. Um, the, the the bass tone in that is is, is absolutely lovely. Um, in terms of connections, it's only got a USB. It hasn't got an XLR, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so it just means that if you're upgrading your equipment, then it's not made for connecting to a mixer or something like that. Let's uh, switch a little bit here to talk about the six steps of publishing, from publishing a podcast to publishing a book. So I'm really curious on, on what you've got to say about this. Sure. Um, so... Several times I've been crazy enough to host uh, an eight-hour live stream and have a um, hundred plus guests <laughs> wow. on there at the same time. And a lot of me, a lot of people say, "Well, how on earth do you do that? Uh, do you think I should do something similar for my brand?" And my immediate answer is, "No, <laughs> you don't want to do that. It's just too much <laughs> hassle." But um, I, I, another reason that I say no is that uh, it's actually too difficult, or you're juggling too many balls when you haven't done audio podcasting, videos, live streaming, um, and steps like that beforehand. You really want to work up towards being able to host multiple people at the same time, um, be on there for a very long time, look into the camera, deal with the audience at the same time. So I recommend working up towards doing that. And obviously you, you talked about publishing a book. So one of the last big live streams I did, I published a book as a result of doing that. Wow. I figured out, having an eight hour live stream, you end up being able to produce roughly 60,000 words of transcript, and then you can turn that into a book. Um, it's, it's just about as much work turning a 60,000 word transcript into a book by rewriting it, because obviously people don't write in the same way that sure. they actually articulate things verbally. So it's not necessarily easier, but it's just the, a, a path that 
is a, a relatively slightly more convenient way to publish a book. But in terms of the steps towards doing that, I highly recommend starting off with an audio only podcast and starting off with a fairly basic one equipment wise using the microphones that are recommenders, you know, maybe spending $100 or so on um, Samsung QT or um, ATR2100X, um, windscreen, boom arm, then for just over $100, you're sorted, you're started, focusing on the audio podcast, get comfortable with using the microphone, get comfortable with what your show structure is going to be like. Um, and then you'll hone that naturally over the first 10 to 20 episodes or so. And then when you get comfortable with doing that, you, you can start to do um, things like you do, Laurie, which is record the whole show as a one or have your intro, have, have your out, outro, have your midsection recorded as part of the whole show. That way you're doing less odd, uh, editing afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to produce. Uh, you don't have, have much um, editing to do afterwards at all. Um, and then move on to video after that, move on to pre-recorded video. Don't do live video straight away, probably, if you're doing your show, do it pre-recorded so you don't have to think of an audience. And if necessary, if you make mistakes, you can restart and you don't get so nervous in in, in front of guests. Step four is live streaming while you record a, a podcast. The whole additional challenging element to that is of course the audience. If you've got people watching live, if you've got questions coming in, Ideally, you can listen to what the person that you're interviewing is saying, but at the same time, see what the audience is saying, bring in their questions into the the mix at the appropriate time, engage with them at the same time as well, perhaps even type back to them at the same time. Different skill set. You don't want to be doing that if you're not comfortable using a microphone, if you're not comfortable with podcasting, if you're not comfortable even with looking into the camera uh, to begin with, just to do the the intros and the outros and uh, acknowledge people at the very beginning of your, your your video, and then simply that that big summit that I was talking about, that's like twelve live streams all in a oneer. Um, so once you're comfortable with the live streams, it's bringing everything together. Um, it's doing it for a longer time. It's having a hundred plus guests um, in, in, involved in a, in, a, in a similar in a single project. Um, so it's so just a case of making those relationships, obviously what this sh- show is all about. And that, the wonderful thing about doing a podcast, um, apart from the, the fact that you, you get people listening to your content, is the quality of the relationships that you make with the guests mm-hmm. that, that, that you end up talking to. And you can ideally maintain those relationships uh, by doing things like hosting a virtual summit and getting people on back on with you perhaps on, a, on an annual basis. Wow. Wow. I'm exhausted hearing all that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should have taken a breath in the middle. Oh, of that, no, that's I? okay. <laughs> um, I appreciate the structure and it really sounds like you've done a really good job mapping out how everything kind of builds on itself. So you start simple and then you instead of going for the big shebang all at once, right? You have to build up and your comfort level. I I like the emphasis on the comfort level. It's, you're gonna have a better end product if you build your confidence and and comfort by using these different tools over time. Exactly, exactly. You're never going to be able to master everything um, overnight. I'm not a master of everything, but I'm more comfortable at doing lots of different things than I was when I started getting into podcasting really seriously, maybe 2014 or so, and I started investing in equipment and then moving from audio to video. And this wasn't naturally a process that I knew of beforehand to follow, but looking back on it, I can see the steps I took and I can probably recommend to other people to go through those steps if they they want to do a similar thing. 
Absolutely. All right. This is a great time to take a quick break. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. David, the focus of this show is heavily on networking. My goal is to help alleviate any fears that someone may have when they hear this word. So can you share with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had? Look, I think networking is all about the quality rather than the quantity. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can talk about... um, articles that have been written like a thousand true fans by Kevin Kelly and similar advice has been shared by Seth Godin. Um, if you, if you get to that number of people that engage with you and like your content on a regular basis, then you're going to be successful. But in my experience, the number is even less if you put in the effort to really ensure that the relationships that you build are of high quality. And that's why I love podcasting, obviously you touched on just before uh, the break there, that it's such a wonderful way uh, to build a relationship to begin with. And then it gives you that opportunity to maintain the relationship. Because if you go to networking events, I know we're talking in COVID times, it's a little bit more challenging to meet face-to-face and perhaps even meet new people. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you imagine a conventional face-to-face networking events, you do really well to have five minutes uninterrupted with with anyone and it's challenging sometimes just to discover what someone else does and uh, make them aware of what you do and then remember them afterwards and then then get back to them and really build any kind of meaningful relationship if uh, the internet podcasting or just online discussions that aren't even necessarily broadcast online give us a wonderful opportunity to have a higher quality conversation, a lengthier conversation. Um, So I think if you can aim to have uh, maybe 10 of those conversations a month uh, on a a regular basis, and then maintain the relationships with people that you think would be beneficial to you and your business in the future, and you could be beneficial to them, then then that would be probably um, a a wonderful use of, of, of podcasting, but obviously a, a wonderful way to, to network and build and maintain those relationships. Relationships. Absolutely. I love that. Definitely the emphasis on the quality over the quantity. It isn't about the numbers. It's about the depth of the relationship. So as you're building these, um, these relationships and, and really seeking the quality, how do you best nurture your network and stay in front of these individuals? I, I, used to think in the past that uh, what you had to do was was publish on a regular basis. Um, But to a certain degree, that's just one-way communication. That's one-to-many communication. So it's good to try and maintain those relationships. I've been very fortunate to, as well as host my own podcast, host podcasts for other people, produce podcasts for other people. So it gives me a reason to get back in contact with these people. Um, So the people that have been probably the the best guests or the people that have been the most valuable in terms of potential relationships have been the ones that I've I've kept in touch so 
I think initially going back to about 2015, I think it was um, December 2015 when I did my first big online live stream and I had about 60 people join me for that one. I just went back into people who'd been guests before and I viewed it as a great piece of content to produce. But then thinking about it afterwards, I suddenly realized it's not about the content. It's about the relationships. It's about the network. It's about maintaining that. So, so that's what I, I try and do on an annual basis. I give myself a reason to get back in touch with people. And I, I'd encourage people to do the same, to, to, to think of a reason um, to reach back to who you've had conversations with in the past and, and help them. Not, so not necessarily even to produce something of value, of measurable value to what you're doing, what you're trying to do but just to see if there's anything else you can do to assist them. And I, I, I wouldn't probably say, you know, reach out to them the question is, uh, uh, with a question as simple as saying, you know, just getting back in touch, is there anything I can do to assist you? I think that's probably a bit too bland. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think um, you probably need to be more specific about that. I think you need to be really aware of um, what they're currently doing and maybe suggest something specific that you could do to help them or a reason to have a, a follow-up conversation. I mean, I, I liken that to messages that I receive on LinkedIn and probably one in 50, I reckon, have actually really looked at me and my business and what I do and crafted a message based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the messages that I get saying something like, um, oh, it'd be great to find out more about casting cred and what you do, shall we arrange a call? No, I just, I'm afraid I, I ignore those messages because it's so blatantly obvious that um, they've just um, taken my company name from some automatic script and added that yeah. to a standard <laughs> intro message. Uh-huh. And I, I'm not interested in having a conversation if you haven't taken the opportunity to check out what I do, you know, check out yep. what I do and demonstrate that you've actually looked at what I do and, and then we'll have a conversation. Totally. Yep. I agree hundred percent with that. You, you got to be genuine. Slash rant over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, that's been uh, a hot topic and has been addressed a number of times on this show. Just what's happening with the the LinkedIn automation. I think there's ways to do it right, but there's definitely most people are doing it wrong right now. Unfortunately, definitely. Take, take just take a little bit of time to do aspects of it personally and mm-hmm. ask yourself, honestly, if I receive this kind of message, would I honestly respond um, how do people write naturally and say things naturally? They, they write very short initial messages saying, you know, um, you're, how, honestly, how are you doing? I love this aspect about what you did recently or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, demonstrate that you've engaged with and listened to whatever they've done. Absolutely. So uh, what advice would you offer that business professional who's really looking to grow their network? I think it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to accept that it's a long-term game. It's easy to reach out to people and get disappointed, perhaps if they don't engage with you, but have you actually published anything and demonstrated that um, you are, are likely to be of genuine interest to the person that you're trying to reach out to? It's 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 great. I, I go back to, to podcasting because obviously I'm a podcaster and I think podcasting is a wonderful way to do it. I would quite often publish a podcast based upon the quality of conversations that I have with someone and be willing to publish a podcast 
even if it didn't have any listeners because of the quality of conversations that I'm having with people. I know that the people that I'm interviewing wouldn't necessarily be happy to have the conversation published to no one, but um, I think that's a good way to approach podcasting. And I, I would encourage anyone listening to consider starting a webinar series or a, a podcast or some kind of content series that gives them an opportunity, a reason to, to, to reach out to people. And that's probably a great starting point. Maybe an initial starting point even before that is if, if they haven't done that before, most people have a blog. Most people have a blog associated with their website. Put together an article um, about a particular topic and ask 10 moderate, um, moderately successful people within uh, certain niches about their opinion on the, on the particular subject. Now, I say moderately successful because you're never likely to get someone like let's use Seth Godin as an example to actually mm -hmm. contri contribute. But if, 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 if you have someone who's moderately successful in a very niche industry, then they're really happy to contribute. So you can probably get 10 people to contribute to uh, a, a blog post. You don't even have to speak to them. You can have a contact form for them to fill in and share their advice. And then you can promote what they do afterwards. You can connect with them on LinkedIn. You can maintain that relationship. That's probably a great starting point to, to building a decent network. Yeah, I love that. I think it's a fantastic strategy. And and I like the, um, the moderately successful. It's not a British way of saying, you know, very successful, but just in a moderate British way. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's definitely some truth to that because it's people that have, um, they're in progress to you know, whatever their goal is and, and they're, they're building traction. They're getting, they've got some exposure and they're open to obtaining more exposure and sharing their knowledge. I think it's a great audience to really start building some rapport with and advocating for and trying to build those relationships because more times than not, they're going to advocate for you then, you know, they're exactly. going to share that message with their audience as well. And as they grow, you'll grow with them as well. I mean, a lot of the relationships that I've got with now are, are with very successful marketers, marketing thought leaders, but quite a few of them weren't that successful five years ago plus mm -hmm. when I initially had conversations with them. So people grow together. I love it. That's, that's great advice. David, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? It's it's very easy to look back um, with hindsight saying you should do this, you you shouldn't do this. So I've done lots of different jobs in my time. I'm in, in my 40s now, so I probably was too old to just work in digital marketing or in the, the digital world. Um, so as a first career, I actually managed restaurants and pubs and hotels. And it was great experience to have because... At a, at a as a 20 year old you know, I was managing teams of, of of people so I got great managerial experience to do that perhaps maybe I tre treated life funnily uh, funnily enough a little bit too seriously then maybe uh, maybe I, I would say just to to relax a little bit as well and um and tr try more things I think that back then I I felt that you had to try and have a career and I think that I grew up um, as part of the generation that we're still told you go through school, you try and go through university, and then you try and get yourself a, a profession and then you stay with that profession or, or even 
an employer for life and life's not really difficult uh, like that nowadays at all perhaps even ch- school children nowadays um are, are told the same thing that i was which if if, if that's the case that's really sad but uh, you know I, I would certainly say to myself look try different things don't take um life too seriously absolutely work hard but also play hard at the same time love it there's there's definitely it reflecting back is interesting isn't it Um, it is it is I mean to a certain degree it's not worthwhile because obviously it's past and you don't want to spend too much energy doing that so you you want to look forward but you also want to learn from the past as well so it's a good happy medium yeah I I agree with that 100% so if you could connect with any person um, who would it be um Probably Elvis Presley, but that's <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> if he's still alive, um, right? There's some some theories out well, there. Well, you never know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, nowadays, it's I I would be interested to have conversations with the likes of Simon Sinek and Gary Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. and 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 people like that. Um, so I, I think that would probably be my initial reaction but um i i'm of the opinion that you can perhaps benefit from relationships that you build with people that aren't that prominent that aren't that uh that that famous and that's perhaps even a better more important thing to do so it it doesn't immediately appeal to me to have a high quality relationship with a very famous person. Mm-hmm. It's more the, well, the, there's the, the famous people that are sharing their message, like Simon Sinek. Um, I, I feel that that message is already shared that needs to be conveyed to some extent. Like what would be different in a one-on-one conversation with him than what he's already sharing publicly? Simon Sinek strikes me as someone that's got many layers and it's quite difficult, I guess, to really get underneath that layer. Mm-hmm. And sure. Yeah, he, he, he really believes in what he says as well. It would be, I, I think it would be nice to ask him some similar questions to actually what you've, um, what you've asked me and um, you know, what he would teach his 20 year old sure. self and yep. to really dig into that uh, just to see how he's changed because he comes across as this eloquent, uh, complete individual that's just so capable and infallible. And it's very difficult, you would imagine, to ask him a question that he would actually struggle with. So <laughs> perhaps it would be nice to ask a question to his 20 year old self as well. Yeah, that, that would be fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, David, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. And I, I know that you did interview me once already on your show. Um, but now you get the opportunity to ask me something on my show. So what's something you'd like to ask me? OK, well, I'm going to change it around slightly by saying instead of your 20 year old self, um, what would you tell your 60 year old self? Oh, that's a fun one. Um what would I tell my 60-year-old self? That I tried my damnness to be the best person I possibly could be, and I hope that I turned out okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I guess you did okay if your six-year-old self is, is listening to you and, and happy themselves. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> That's fun. I, you know, yeah, turn it around. That was a little different. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? It's a long time coming. Um, success, building a big network. Um, so don't measure what you're doing with um, short term measurements like um, how many followers have I gained in the last week or month or mm. um, even year. Yeah, it's, it's all about the quality of relationships that you make 10 years down the line. So if you're not bothered about time, what would you do differently now if, if you knew that the numbers don't matter and it's all about quality? Oh, I love that. That's really sound advice to share. If anyone was interested in connecting with you, David, what's the best way that they can reach you? Sure. Um, just go to castingcred.com. That's my uh, B2B agency, kind of podcast production agency. That's probably the, the, the best go to, uh, place to go to. You mentioned LinkedIn earlier on as well. I'm just David Bain on, on LinkedIn, so fairly easy to find there as well. Cool. We'll include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Laurie. Great to be on with you. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to David for taking the time to connect with us. And thank you to you, the listener. I appreciate you and I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or join our Facebook group. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.